You're listening to the Screeners Podcast Network. From the big screen to the small screen and everything in between, this is the Screeners Podcast, where all media is appreciated, but none is safe. Hello again, and welcome to another episode of the Screeners Podcast. This is Chad. And I'm Daniel. And with us again is special guest who is essentially becoming not so special, or maybe just a guest, or not a guest. He's I don't not know. Special. He's something. He's not special. Don't worry about it. <laughs> I figured you'd go there. But we are thrilled again to have with us tonight Tyler Howitt, co-host of the what are you still guys still next we track? are still next still, track you, yeah okay although i just forgot i was like there's so many things changing <laughs> we've yeah we've pivoted a little bit we've changed our we've changed our brand just slightly changed our brand it's pretty exciting well i know this wasn't on the schedule but tyler but tell us a little bit about what you guys are doing over at next track well you know we thought really hard, long and hard about it and thought that you know a 13 episode run of a tv series is maybe a little bit uh narrow for a for a year-round podcast um and so we've kind of had to figure out what do we do in these weeks, these many, many weeks in between um, seasons of Star Trek Discovery. And so we've, we're still kind of working on, on the name for this, this new section. But um, in, in the meantime, we've been doing different kind of reviews of different things like, like Lost in Space on Netflix, or we just recorded um, the uh, review, two reviews of the first three seasons of The Expanse. Uh, we did season one and two nice. in one chunk and seasons three in, in another. And, uh, and so we, kind of got talking and said, well, let's just have fun and, and kind of be geeky. And so what Chris and I are doing is tossing each other a, again, we're trying to figure out a good name for it. So maybe you guys can, uh, can think about it, but uh, something like the geek checklist, we're going to say, like, I'll say one week, um, Hey Chris, I can't believe you haven't seen this movie. And then, you know, we'll watch it. We'll talk about it. And then he'll do, you know, he'll say the same to me next week with a different movie. And then, on the third week, uh, we're going to kind of do a, a rotation, and the third week we're going to throw it out to Twitter. We'll, we'll give them four options and say, what should we watch that we haven't seen before? And kind of just go about like that, and we'll hopefully get a, a few different guests. That opens it up a little bit for people who are not Trekkies, you know, and uh, I, I'm really excited about it. Yeah, that sounds cool. I think you've missed your opportunity there, though, if the premise is going to be, hey, I can't believe you haven't seen. You should definitely pull Josh into that. Oh, I know. The pool is literally endless of I can't believe you haven't seen anything. But Well, that sounds that sounds great. So where can people find your podcast where they can subscribe to you guys? Well, we are on Twitter at uh, The Next Trek, which is awesome and we're pretty active there and we've uh, we've had some good conversations but you can also of course find us on itunes and and we would love people to to jump in there to subscribe give us a rating if they think we've deserved it and uh, just to just to engage with the podcast so it's i'm pretty excited about this new direction i think we'll um we'll be getting some we've had some good interactions with people online before and, and i think they'll they'll stick with us and and uh our numbers will grow it'll be great that sounds great. I encourage all of our listeners, if you are interested in all things uh, geek and sci-fi and who knows what else, to, to, to give you guys a, a listen. And as always, we are very happy to have Tyler with us tonight to help us review Crazy Rich Asians and to do a top three best romantic comedies of the 21st century. You can find more information about the Screeners Podcast at ScreenersPodcast.com. You can follow us on Twitter at ScreenersCast. You can find us on Facebook 
just search for the Screeners Podcast. And if you'd like to send us an email, please send that to screenerscast at gmail.com. But with that out of the way, let's jump right into our review of Crazy Rich Asians. Right. We've been dating for over a year now, and I think it's about time people met my beautiful girlfriend. What about us taking an adventure east? Like Queens? Singapore. Colin's wedding. Don't you want to be my family? I hardly know anything about them. Every time I bring them up, they change the subject. Maybe his parents are poor and he has to send them money. Let's take a bag and get you checked into first class. Can't afford this. So your family is rich? We're comfortable. That is exactly what a super rich person would say. The IMDB review of Crazy Rich Asians is this romantic contemporary comedy based on a global bestseller follows native New Yorker Rachel Chu to Singapore to meet her boyfriend's family. Guys, I was really excited about this movie. Um, it, it kind of flew under the radar. I sort of missed it. And I was gone for a month and I think I, I missed some of the hype. And, uh, but I, I saw it coming out and I started getting texts from people saying, you have got to go see this movie. And I did, and I can't wait to talk about it with you. So let's just kick it off. Daniel, what did you think? Well, I love rom-coms. We've talked about rom-coms many times before on this podcast. And uh, Crazy Rich Asians is a fantastic entry in that genre. It's a classic romantic comedy in in almost every way, um, except it brings us a culture that we haven't seen on screen. So this movie feels big and bold and colorful. It's beautiful. It's full of fun. Uh, but it also delivers all the romance and the charm that made us love the genre in the first place. So I love this movie. Uh, the cast is full of standouts like Sonia Mizuno and Jimmy Yang from Silicon Valley, who is freaking hilarious. He's, I think he's definitely the same character. There's Aquafina, who we saw earlier this summer in uh, Ocean's, Ocean's 8. And she's, she's interesting. There are so many times when I find her comedic style in this movie so annoying and then she'll <laughs> she'll drop this line that makes me lose it. So uh, so it, it, she's still enjoyable. Uh, and then obviously Michelle Yao is great, very intimidating. She she's fantastic in the role. And seeing this genuinely insane wealth, the crazy rich Asians was it, it was hilarious and and made for uh, a lot of fantastic you know like the bachelor and bachelorette parties. You can kind of imagine where they go, where these crazy rich people go. Uh, and so it, it, it's just a fantastic story. Uh, the wedding scene here was so unique and really beautiful and emotional. And so what I love about Crazy Rich Asians is that it, it checks off every box a romantic comedy should check off. It doesn't reinvent the genre at all. This is nothing new necessarily in terms of the plot, the storyline, anything like that. Uh, it just nails the genre. It, uh, it, it This doesn't bring us a story we haven't seen before, but it shows us that, that representation and, and why that's so important. That other cultures can tell these stories and nail it, just like just like we've seen white people do for you know eighty years. The, the story we've seen it so often, but this is a fresh, exciting new entry in the genre. Uh, we've not seen this story set in Singapore or revolving around these types of traditions or, or familiar interactions. So I can't rave enough about this movie. If you love romantic comedies, this is a fantastic entry in the genre and a really, really beautiful step forward for for the culture as a whole. Awesome. Well, what do you, what do you think, Chad? Were you, were you as glowing in your in your review as Daniel is? Well, there were a few things that I could, I knew for sure <clears throat> that were going to happen even before I saw this movie. One of them is that 
Daniel was going to love this movie almost <laughs> as much, almost in an unhealthy amount. And I was right. The second thing was that it's 2018, right? And we, we live in a very polarized time. There's not a lot of kind of gray area. You're either a raging a horrific person on one side or a raging horrific person on the other side. And so when it comes to a movie like this, my concern was, because as very much like we talked about with Black Panther, it's just so vitally important that representation happens in films like this and genre fair in particular. So my concern has always been that the movie doesn't get a superlative amount of extra credit and reviews for kind of a mediocre film just because it is representative of uh, minorities, right? And so I go into this movie thinking maybe both things can be true. Maybe this movie will be wonderful for representation and, and see a side of culture that we don't normally see in this this genre, and maybe it will be great. And I'm going to be honest, so like for the first maybe 30 minutes I was a little worried about this movie I thought the writing was very much like Daniel's description of the performer what's her name um Aquafina Aquafina very much like that there would be moments that were really funny and heartwarming and then it would immediately be followed up by really clunky writing and kind of forced story beats trying to set up all the pieces this is squarely in the rom-com genre in 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 such a way that we really haven't got much like this in a while it almost feels like a throwback yeah in that regard and i'm as big a sucker for romantic comedies as anybody but but the first 30 40 minutes i was a little worried because it was up and down and up and down and then like a warm blanket of pretty woman kind of movies <laughs> where you know what's going to happen and you and so you're somewhat guarded against how you're being manipulated by the story and you can clearly see them setting up the bowling pins for the payoff that's going to come both both emotionally and uh, as it relates to the story and i have to be honest and say that even with all of the things right in front of me that I saw coming my direction, I simply could not resist the charms of this movie. I just could not. And at the end of it, I, I re- and when we get into spoilers specifically, we can talk about it. But I think it does some really smart uh, and good things within the genre trope, certainly, towards the last third of this movie that really work on multiple levels, not not just related to the obvious things of class and uh, race and all these other things, but just on a human connected level as it revolves around family and love. And even though it's super soap opera-ish and romantic comedy trope-ish at times, it's done in a really elegant way and in such a way that even though it's still clunky at times, there's so much good here and it is beautiful. And to see crazy rich not just rich but crazy rich is really it's it's a glimpse into that world of opulence and it's shot in a way that is very sumptuous and fun and it's silly sometimes and it's dumb sometimes but it's 
but it is romantic all of the time, and these people are beautiful, and the cast is wonderful. And so overall, I have to give it a major, major endorsement and say that I just could not resist the charms of this movie, and I totally understand why people love it. I didn't know anything about the book. I didn't realize that there's more than one book. Uh, There was kind of a thing that happened, we'll talk in, in spoilers here, towards the very end of the movie, and people were cheering, and I was completely confused. I had no idea why, and we'll talk about that in spoilers, but overall, I, just consider me a fan. I am, I'm 100% on board. Well, awesome. I, I mean, I really will echo you guys in a lot of ways. I love romantic comedies overall, so in terms of the plot, I don't think this brings too many new things to the table plot-wise. Um, however, character-wise and emotion-wise and, and just bringing us to a, a new location and, and uh, giving us these really unique emotional beats, uh, I, I think that this movie scores on all levels. I mean, there's there's maybe not, there's not a meet-cute, you know, there's not that kind of stuff, but, um, but what we do have is these two people who are in love and she has to meet his parents, which is a, you know a whole different subgenre of romantic comedy, right in and of itself. And and I think that it did it so well. Uh, the the we'll talk you know in more detail about the the actual the actors and things like that in in just a bit. I think, but um, but at no point in this movie was I was I sitting there just disappointed. I I can see some of the the clunkiness that you guys I think were talking about. But uh, especially with Aquafina, she's I think she's just, you know, she's just a, a unique taste, I think. And, and we'll see more of her, I suspect, in future movies and we'll, we'll get used to her. Um, but I, I wasn't even really thrown off by her other than I, I just thought she's a she's a very different voice um, to, to be in here. Um, and what I really loved about it, and this is something, again, we can dig into more, but I this is Singapore is my favorite city in the world. So I I lived in Asia for four years. I visited Singapore incredibly regularly. I was there a month ago and I, I, it was so cool to see Singapore really explored. The last time I have seen Singapore in a movie, I think was in the second independence day being blown up. And that was it, (laughs) you know, um, which is obviously CG. I don't think they ever shot anything there. And so it was, it was just cool to see that. It was cool to see a good location used pretty well. And, uh, yeah, I, I cannot fault this movie. I, I loved it probably a little bit too much. Um, to be honest, I, I think I loved it a little bit too much, um, for, for maybe some more personal emotional reasons rather than objective film critic reasons. Um, but yeah, I, I, I loved it. I thought it was great. Yeah. I don't disagree with pretty much anything you guys said. And I, I do agree with you, Chad. Um, this, this movie does have clunky moments for sure. Like this is not a perfect movie. Uh, and, but what I love about it is that even though it's predictable and even though it has clunky moments and even though you know exactly what's going to happen, it still feels like it's done so well and feels like a throwback. It feels like a classic rom-com that we haven't gotten, even though we've gotten great rom-coms, you know, even recently with like the big sick or things like that. Uh, this feels so much more classic instead of trying to reinvent the genre or turn it on its head. It's like, no, we're going to make a classic rom-com just in a setting you haven't seen before. And with characters, character types and traditions you haven't seen before. And so, uh, yeah, that that's why I love this so much. I completely agree. And, and you know, it, it does a lot of the classic things like 
uh, like take you to a different place in a, in a romantic comedy or to do some super glamorous glitzy things and and uh, I I really like that. It also even goes into the the weird family angle. You know, I, I think back to. Uh, my big fat Greek wedding or something like that, which, yeah. you know, it, it brings you into a different, uh, a culture that we're, is at least not mainstream. Um, and is, is really kind of exploring that a little bit. And, and I, I appreciate it for that. Yeah. And I mean, the tropes of the outsider having to meet the family are well-worn yeah. the tropes yeah. of the, the poor, poor, not necessarily poor, but the person that has to prove their worth outside of a lot of wealth is well worn and yet all of those things still with this film feel fresh and new and i think it is a combination of the fact that it is so much a throwback to something that we haven't seen in quite some time and the fact that it just is in a part of the country and with a cast that is different than what we are here in america used to seeing and i celebrate that i think that's wonderful um and i think that the more now what this leads to is down the road is that eventually and this is probably where we want to be we talked about this a little bit with black panther but eventually this won't be an issue there'll be representation in all kinds of films and then we'll just have really crappy movies with (laughs) just like we do here and so and that's a great it's a great worthy goal but i think this is a movie that i can wholeheartedly recommend to just about anybody uh that it's just full of of such good wonderful positive things um and i do think i think if you go in knowing that it's gonna be more of a traditional because i was honestly a little taken back at the beginning and part of my reticence to embrace it at the beginning was maybe because i didn't know anything about the book hadn't watched any of the trailers i was i felt like i feel like i'm watching a movie in the 90s and so it took me a second to kind of reorient but once you settled back in there it, it's it's really great it's really good yeah and and even just to jump off what you've said I, i've been recommending this movie up and down actually in the last few days i i'm at you know, we're, i'm a teacher school's about to start in a week and um, students have started to come into the school to to claim their lockers we're a small school the kids get to choose their own lockers and and a few of them have just you know come in and said oh what should i see in the next few days because they know I like movies and I said oh my gosh crazy rich Asians go see it right now uh, because it's it's clean I mean there's there's I think one F word is it maintains its PG-13 rating there's there's an F word and some kissing um, and and that's about it you know it's it is I really appreciated also that they didn't they didn't try to um, go nuts you know they actually tried to make this be an accessible film for a, a wide range of, of audiences, and they, they did it so well. I uh, I love Michelle Yao in this movie as oh, well. Man. Um, she was so good. I kept, as we were watching the movie, I kept being, the, the quote from Lady Bird kept popping in my head, uh, <laughs> where, where they kept talking about, like, uh, um, Lady Bird was saying, you can't be scary and warm. And Lucas Hedges says, yes, you can. Your mom is. And that's, that's <laughs> what I felt about Michelle Yao. Like, she was so intimidating. But there was, like, something there where you really wanted her approval. You wanted yes. her to like you because uh, sure. she was somehow warm. So I, I, I loved her character a lot. So now tell the truth, Daniel. On a daily basis, how many quotes from Lady Bird <laughs> bounce around in your head? Not that many, okay? <laughs> I don't believe you. 
I, I agree with you. Jumping on, on the Michelle Yao train, you know, we've just – she's having a, a little bit of a renaissance. I mean, she not that she's been completely absent, but she's coming back. She was just in Star Trek Discovery the last year in a, in a starring role. And Michelle Yao is is – is absolutely all of those things, and and I'll say I've I've known those moms. You know, I I know her. The whole time I was watching it, I thought I have been absolutely scared of somebody exactly like you, and also weirdly, you know, liking you at the same time. She's, uh, but I love also she didn't do what a lot of, what a lot of uh, romantic comedies often fall into of being the mustache twirly villain. Um, she is. Uh, a scary lady who who Rachel Constance Wu's character needs to get approval from, but she's also not just evil, and I really appreciated that they didn't go comically evil with her. Correct, and I think they do a lot. I think they do a good job with her character specifically about laying in just enough of her backstory to see how her entrance into this family sort of mirrored um, what she was doing to this potential new person that was coming into the family now. And I, I think that was smart. I think that's good writing that it, it, it gave you enough information without beating you over the head with it to make you sort of understand why she was doing what she was doing, even if you didn't agree with it. And I, I do have to say too, while we're here is one of the things that I was a little bit hesitant about going into this was the director. And, yes. you know, if I'm if Definitely. I'm being completely honest, John Chu has directed Now You See Me 2, which I thought was <laughs> terrible. Uh, I can't believe you watched that after seeing Now You See Me 1. I, I, I like Now You See oh, Me 1 okay. Oh, I, it was, I mean, it wasn't, I mean, it's, it's all right, whatever. Okay, it's pretty bad, you're right. <laughs> but Now You See Me 2 was even worse. And, you know, G.I. Joe Retaliation, and he's done some Justin Bieber documentary stuff. And he did and I step do have to up give, to the streets, okay? Oh, yeah, there you go. So, there you go. Yeah, and solid. I, but I have to give credit where credit is due. I think this film is very well directed. There's one sequence in particular that when we're we're in spoilers, I want to highlight specifically for its direction. But I think it shows a, a very deft hand. It is cut in such a way that uh, not just from an editing standpoint, but the performances here across the board are pretty stellar. So I have to I have to give props. It was it was very very well done. What did you guys think of Constance Wu? Uh, if I don't know, have you seen? Do you have much experience with her? Have you seen Fresh Off the Boat? Yeah, I I, I saw the first couple seasons of Fresh Off the Boat, and I got kind of tired of it. Yeah. Uh, so I so I stopped watching. Uh, the thing is, I really liked her uh, in Fresh Off the Boat. I think she's really great. She plays her character really well. I was actually a little bit underwhelmed with her performance here. Honestly, um, she's not a very charismatic lead. I think she does fine. I, she's certainly not bad, and and you know I think she did a, did a fine job with what she's given. But I I I think there were other performers who outshined her left and right you know i think i think all the supporting characters are more interesting than her and i think it's that's probably a combination of writing and performance a little bit but even uh the the i forget the character's name but uh sonoya mizuno who who is the the woman getting married that they're there in singapore she's so much more charismatic oh, yeah. than constant constant so i was like i think she should have played the lead role here and everything that she's in she's so much more exciting to watch so yeah so I, I i didn't love her performance but i think she did okay well to be fair the the actress that you just referenced her character is much more Absolutely. jovial and fun yeah. and happy happy Absolutely. going and yeah rachel chu she she has to play a character that is trying to be reserved and fit into sure. this world and so i kind of understand it because i i actually 
I agree that she was probably the least interesting just from a character development standpoint, but I also think she had some of the most poignant emotional moments. Uh, and I thought her performance was, was actually, you know, pretty good in those, in those times. Right. She also asks acts as a, a vehicle for us, the audience, you know, she's, she is for our sure. conduit to, to be able to see this world that, that is just as strange to her as it is to us. Um, and I even, I really even like that. And I don't think this is a spoiler ish at all. Um, but, but the fact that she is going to Singapore, she's Asian American, she's Chinese American, and she is having a conversation with her mom before she leaves. And she says, uh, mom, what are you worried about? I'm, I'm Chinese. You know, her mom is picking out clothes for her and, and, you know, kind of lecturing her on how to be when she gets there. And she says, mom, I'm Chinese. And she says, no, you're American. You, she said, she says something like you, you look Chinese, but in your head, you're still American, something like that. And... I think that was such a good way of illustrating this. And we'll, we'll get into this more in spoilers because I want to get into detail with this, but I loved the conversation that this film brings up between um, the way that Americans think and, and the way often that, that non-Americans think, I don't even want to just say Asia in general, but we have a way of thinking and, and not everybody else thinks the way that we do. And it's really a, a great discussion to be had because we also you know like to think that we're right all the time about everything and and other people have different ways of viewing things so that conversation had in this movie is stellar all right guys well unless there's something else to add before we get to it uh, let's get into our recommendations so for everybody else who is just tuning in for the first time maybe we go through four levels of recommendation the first is go right now see it in the theater rent it uh, so go find your local Redbox or or go you know purchase it on on Amazon or something like that. Uh, stream it on an available service, so through Netflix or Prime or something else like that. Or finally, skip it altogether. What do you guys think, Daniel? Uh, absolutely, this is worth going to see in theaters, especially if you love rom coms. This is a fantastic throwback. It is a fantastic entry in the genre, and it's just a great movie overall. It's not perfect, but it's it's fantastic, and it's it's great to see. Uh, different representation on screen because uh, it's this is a, a fantastic moment for our culture to expand uh, outside of uh, American thinking or outside of just white people thinking. So it's it's different culture that we've not seen. So it is absolutely, absolutely worth seeing on this big screen. It's such a great movie. Excellent, Chad. What do you think? I'm so proud of Daniel for picking one this week <laughs> instead of picking four. I thought the same but, thing. Um, if you uh, now, if you don't like rom coms, <laughs> here we go. Yeah. There we go. He's back. Um, I wholeheartedly agree. This is theater worthy. I always try to base this on a worthiness standpoint, and this is worthy of your theatrical dollars. Whether that's Movie Pass, which hey, by the way, we didn't talk about Movie Pass, oh, but I won the lottery same. because when I went to go see this movie, it was one of the available showings on Movie Pass. Yep, not same. me. So that that worked out for me, but. Um, uh, this is absolutely theater worthy, and I would say if you have people in your circle that are not aware of this movie, as I did, absolutely go out of your way and, and tell them about this film as well because it deserves to make all the dollars. It's, it's a throwback, and it will make you feel wonderful. Go see it. Absolutely. I, I completely agree. Go see this in the theater especially in in you know these days where we're all just you know everybody's uptight about stuff and and angry about different things and twitter is making you mad and stuff this is a a heartwarming happy film and it's just it's just a fun experience and i also i, I had the same the same 
uh, lottery winning time with uh, with Movie Pass. I was I was sitting at home and thought, you know, whatever. I'll just check Movie Pass and see if it's available. And it was like the next showing was in ten minutes, and I just bolted out of the house and, and went to see it. And it was completely worth it. Well, I think it's uh, about time to get into spoilers. The first rule of Fight Club is you do not talk about Fight Club. Well, you look nervous. Is it the scars? You want to know how I got them? But there's so many places it would never occur to a hawk to hide. However, the reason the Führers brought me off my Alps in Austria and placed me in French cow country today is because it does occur to me. Because I'm aware what tremendous feats human beings are capable of once they abandon dignity. In the dream, I knew that he was going on ahead. He's fixing to make a fire somewhere out there in all that dark and all that cold. And I knew that whenever I got there, he'd be there. And then I woke up. Well, Chad, I think it was you that hinted that there was something you wanted to specifically talk about here. You want to you wanna dig into that a little bit? Absolutely. So I have seen, as you guys have, over the course of my life, both in person but specifically in films, a hundred different weddings that have been shot. Oh, man. And Daniel mentioned this earlier, and I, I'm not sure if Daniel was talking specifically about the set design and kind of the crazy richness of what they do in this wedding and how that was shot. But for me, I I feel like this this wedding moment where it is clearly someone else's wedding and all the things that happen at a wedding happen and you get the the adorable kids coming down the aisle you get now in this case you get a flooded aisle with water and they're like stepping into this crazy thing and there's grass like it's some sort of garden that people are sitting in it's insane it's insane but there's there's about a two minute sequence toward the end where the bride is coming down and the director makes the decision to use the point of view of our two central characters, the Rachel Chu character and the Nick Young character. And then he cross cuts them where they are essentially confessing their love to each other in the moment through the lens of this other couple's wedding. It was so beautifully and elegantly done that I was moved to tears. I'm not I'm not ashamed to say it. It's it just works on so many different levels as far as the performances here, the way that it's cut, the beauty of the composition of the shots, the score. It all worked together for me and I know I know I was being manipulated because it's obviously kind of a typical rom-com moment, but for me I felt that it was it was just such a unique entryway into letting these two characters come together and they both say to each other how much they really love each other. And for me in this movie, that was the first time where I felt like they really have fallen in love and it just worked on me. It was so wonderful. And so I just I had to I had to signal it out cuz I am a softy for that kind of stuff and it was just it was firing on all cylinders for me. That wedding is easily one of the best movie weddings I've ever seen. I mean, it was it was beautiful and uh the way they they integrated the music with everything, it was just all around really fantastic. Yeah, I I loved that whole sequence. Oh man, absolutely. It, it and it was so not just unique in its filming, which I completely agree with you, but just who would have ever thought about this? You know, who would have ever thought to do it the way that they did it? And, and it was so 
It was so well done. And um, I mean, I've been in that church where they filmed that wedding too, and it looks nothing like it. It's it's crazy. It's it's this old school. I think it's a Methodist church, um, and it's it's just. It looks like a. I mean, it doesn't look like the it's set weird from annihilation. That they don't have, the yeah, <laughs> it's weird that they don't have a lily pond inside the church like that. But so when when they went in there, you know, it was it was so cool to just see this this. I mean, all the pews look like little little hills, you know, that they were that they were all sitting on. It was so just it was otherworldly, and I think that was so emblematic of of exactly what you were just saying they use that otherworldliness to to um to pivot to these two characters are actually truly falling in love right now and it it was a transformative experience for them too and i I think that's so cool and i know we're super positive but i you know and i knew the two howitz were going to be over the moon (laughs) about this but and so i do think i do think if there's one sort of missed opportunity i won't say that it's bad because it has moments that it still works but i think one of the missed opportunities just from a comedic standpoint is i and, and then maybe this is just me but i really did not enjoy the the kin jong family that whole scenario there yeah. were moments where it was okay but then he goes away for a large percentage of the movie and then he has another thing or two at the end and I just felt like you could have lost almost all of that and still kept their daughter as the friend and it would have been fine because it for what and and I like Ken Jong just in general he's really a funny actor but I felt like that was I felt like that was kind of a miss and a swing and a miss there I agree I especially agree with the the son, I guess, who all, who's always taking photos. Yeah, like, that was, that was just weird. And especially they interrupt. He interrupted a, a kind of a really emotional moment towards the end. There, um, I forget uh, was, was with she, the mom. With, with the mom, yeah. yeah, I forget what they were talking about. But um, but yeah, he really interrupted it, and, and they just kind of let. Oh, you, you're just taking pictures. It was just really odd and didn't fit at all. Uh, so yeah, yeah. I, I totally agree. I, I wasn't a big fan of. That. I think I think some of the earlier scenes with the family, uh, like when they first meet, they're first having that dinner there. Oh, that's. I think that that works really well. Oh, one hundred percent. And and again, if we're really looking at at just how how Asian families are often uh, seen, or you know, we we don't really see we don't see the opulence, we don't see the crazy like attitudes like we like we see in this scene. And I've. I've honestly, I've been in a weird situation like that where everybody is talking at different, like cross purposes. You know, the dad is is doing kind of his weird thing. The mom is is really really done up and is is they've set this opulent dinner for themselves when the when the person that they've brought in is super is super like feeling really weird and uncomfortable. Like I, it felt actually very real to me in a lot of ways. Um, where a lot of it is a lot of it is for show a lot of it is we're we're doing this really amazing meal when in fact the whole scene is very uncomfortable for kind of everybody involved and the brother yeah i i did not like i did not love the brother and yeah anyway i could go on about that scene but it was it was a weird i think there was it was a weird little subplot i hadn't thought about it until you just mentioned it but yeah that that is a strange little subplot how did you? I already mentioned what I felt about Aquafina. How did you guys like her? As for me, it was I think very similar to you when we first meet her at the. I guess when she first goes into the home, I I did not like it. I, I was it was just her mm-hmm. physical mannerisms and just her the way she was doing yeah. her thing. I thought, okay, now this is 
this is not really funny. But then you're right. Then she'd have like a really funny throwaway line that was that was really funny. But I think once they get to the actual party where she drives her and then she gets to stay, she kind of grew on me. And then she's genuinely becomes she endeared herself to me just because of her relationship with uh, Constant Wu's Constance Wu's character, but when she she's, when she she's still gets half out of the, and half when she gets out of the car yes. there at, at the party, that is one of the biggest laughs I had yeah. in the whole movie. That was oh, hilarious. Yeah. And then even even the having the three different yes. dresses yeah. like clubbing, <laughs> cocktail, and walk of shame. That's really funny. That's really very very funny. I agree. I, I think she was the weirdest part. I, I agree for me because she just she seemed as close to the almost a stereotypical sidekick that we've seen. Like that was the mm-hmm. most stereotypical part. Like she could have been in a regular, you know, white casted movie as the crazy ethnic sidekick that, that often shows up. And it was really strange to have her there because it felt like they had, they had defied a lot of those, those stereotypes. They, they really purposefully defied so many of those stereotypes and she felt like she was still filling that role a bit. Well, and that's where I slightly disagree because, like I said, I think this movie really embraces the every single trope of the of the rom com genre. It, it fulfills them and doesn't really turn them on their head. It just it just is a different culture than we've seen before uh, on screen in this in this context. And so uh, that that is a classic rom com character. Uh, usually, this is Judy Greer. You know, usually this is sure. some someone like that. And so. I think this just kind of she, she we needed that character the goofy sidekick and and I think she played the role well it's just sometimes her the her her mannerisms just 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 kind of got on my nerves occasionally except for those those throwaway lines that that really cracked me up and you know one of the things we talked about too while while we're here in spoilers that I appreciated is there you feel uh, right at the end of this wedding sequence that we talked about, they then go to the reception and everybody's dancing together and and Rachel Chu's character has had kind of a, a moment here with the family where she goes in and we learn at the beginning of the film that she is a professor at NYU and she teaches game theory and she decides she's going to stand up for herself. And so she defies the mother who in a great performance on the stairwell caresses her face and says you'll never be enough i mean it's just really good and it sets up this whole confrontation at the wedding she stands up for herself she sits up front and then you get the look in from the from the back and they say you've got to fight her they have this beautiful moment where they fall in love and then we're at the reception and in a lot of movies that's where it pretty much ends and so what i liked about this is it took that next step and then pulled the rug out one more time and took us to the grandmother character, which we haven't mentioned her specifically, but Lisa Liu, who played Ama, who I also think is wonderful and gorgeous in every single shot. Yep. She looks so immaculately beautiful um, and gives a wonderful performance here. And then, and then they pull the rug out one more time. We found out that you're, you know, you're not who you say you are and that your mother uh, had an affair and that you're the the product of an, an illicit affair and that's why she fled to America and then we get this other beat towards the end and I, I just thought that was nice because you could really feel we were already at about an hour and 45 minutes and you could feel the movie kind of crescendoing and in a lot of movies it ends there but I liked that last additional beat which then brought the mom and the daughter together to confront this whole thing and that's where we get the class angle of the poor family and the rich family and I love that scene so help me Tyler what's that game that they were they were playing, playing mahjong. I was going to talk about that a little bit. Uh, they were playing mahjong, and 
it is so it's actually super pivotal how this uh, how this all worked out and and I will I will be the first to admit I do not know all of the intricacies of mahjong okay but but the the really so let me kind of set it up one of the things not just about the whole game but but even what you're talking about so normally what we get in a in a rom-com like you said is is that that final impediment to the relationship right we get that that final thing uh that that like in in how to lose a guy in 10 days it's just the discovery that they um both are writing articles about each other and and you know it's it's over for both of them and then it ends up that one of them runs after the other one and catches them and and um and proposes which we get in this right right um and i love that we get in this nick Nick tracks her down and, and, or they meet, I think on, on the river and in this awesome park. And, um, they, uh, he proposes to her and says he'll leave his family. Yeah. The whole thing. I'll, I'll give it up. I'll, I will stop being crazy rich. You know, I will defy my mother and my grandmother, which is a huge deal as is reinforced to us in the, in the whole film. And then in, and, but they add this, that Rachel, uh, who is a, a professor of game theory. And the first time we meet her, she basically is teaching her class how to win at poker, I think. So she brings in Eleanor. She she asks uh, Eleanor to meet her at uh, this Mahjong table, which is a huge, that is a, a like everybody p- plays Mahjong. And they're they're going around and, and they're playing it as they're talking and, and they're, they're just having a big conversation about, you know, the decisions they're making. And um, one of the things, again, I don't know all the nuances of Mahjong, but eight, the, the, the number eight is a huge, like winning piece. It's, it's like one of the best pieces that you can get. It's a tile based game. Rachel throws it. She, she discards it, um, making her look kind of stupid. Um, even though she has a winning hand at Mahjong and, uh, Michelle Yao's character, Eleanor picks it up and basically thinks, you know, Oh, what a stupid American who doesn't really know how to play Mahjong. Um, she picks it up and wins um, at Mahjong and, you know, by, by showing her hand and then Rachel shows her hand and she actually had a winning hand before then, but through it while also simultaneously saying that I said no to, uh, I said no to Nick's proposal. I love Nick, you know, enough to just to say, Hey, I, I lo- essentially, I love him enough to let him go. Um, if I need to, uh, and then also she understands that in the end, family is the more important thing that she actually is Chinese. She is not just this American girl that they all see her at. She does understand how important uh, family is. And then finally, you know, that, that I'm in control. I am the one doing this. You did not take him away from me. I could have him, but, uh, but I'm, I'm, I freaking loved that part. And I knew, I knew that there were some intricacies in the game that I obviously didn't understand, but I could tell that there was something happening there. And I just love the fact that when she lays down her hand to show it, she explicitly says, when you're sitting there with your grandchildren and the the flowers are in bloom, I want you to know it's because of me. Oh, it's so and good. I was oh, that's so good and so powerful. And you're right; it just it brings home the entirety of the film to say that I I do in fact value what you think is important because I think it's important as well. And just because my family is poor and we look at it a different way, I want you to know that I had the upper hand and chose to do this because I love your son so much. It was so great, right? So so great. Oh man! And I also love too while we're while we're, you know we're wrapping up the end is just that. When when they do come together and they're what's the name of that building? I've seen like documentaries about those. Is, is it hotel? Uh, the Marina Bay Sands long... on the on the when they're yeah. on the top of the hotel. Yeah, the Marina yes. Bay Sands Hotel. 
that building's insane. Oh, man. But I love the idea that instead of them having the the bow that ties everything up, that in that party, the they, Rachel character and the Eleanor character, they just simply look at each other, and there's this knowing look between the two, and then they walk away. Yep. I thought that was great. Oh, I love it. And that's, if, if I can really quick digress, this isn't tons of plot stuff, but just uh, one of the things I loved about this film is it is... It is so, and I, I this feels so good to me just because I love this place, but it is such a great look at Singapore, and they get a wide range of it. Um, there's criticism that the film has been given that, they, that there is some under-representation of different um, things. There are a couple of major, um, I wouldn't even call them minorities, but major people groups that are not really seen here. The, the Indians may, make up a, a large portion of, of the population, as well as the Malay Um so, like, for example, Nick Young is not uh, Chinese. He's Malay. Um, it's from, from Malaysia, which is also the same people group as Indonesia. Um, he's not Chinese. And there there have been some pretty big criticisms of, of that. Um, that uh, is similar that Aquafina is, uh, I believe, half Chinese, half Korean. There, so there's, there's huge criticisms being made. And, you know, I kind of don't care. Um, I also know it's not my place is not really our place. We're three white guys sitting here and talking about this, but um, I really think that they made good choices for who, uh, who went in what role rather than thinking, rather than, than going, you know, doing a, doing a DNA test on everybody and saying, are you pure Chinese? I think, I think it would, they did a great job with their casting. And it's a wonderful look at a culture that I've not seen in a mainstream American Never. blockbuster, you know, well, maybe not blockbuster, but a very mainstream studio comedy. And yeah. so I absolutely think it accomplished its goal and did it really well. Yep. Well, that was a great discussion of a, a new popular romantic comedy that I think is going to do pretty well and continue to do pretty well in the box office. So that got us talking. What are our top three romantic comedies of the 21st century? Three, two, one. The top three. As Tyler said, for our top three tonight, we'll be talking about our top three romantic comedies of the 21st century. Uh, in, in honor of Crazy Rich Asians, we've revisited uh, this amazing genre that, as we've already said, uh, I'm a huge fan of. I know Tyler is as well. And, you know, all three of us are Well, we're at it. So, as always with our top three, it's been a little while since we've done one, so I'll give you a refresher. These are, we have no rules, we just define the title of it, Rom-Coms of the 21st Century. You can interpret that however you want. Uh, Chris is not here to turn that into a, a book or anything like that, so we are going to... Or a Broadway musical. Or a Broadway or musical. Else. Or something from the 80s and, and <laughs> it's defined... Or a video game. Yeah, I mean, def- whatever. Define the 80s as somehow in the 21st century or something like that. No. So, oh, so uh, I shouldn't have done something that was was re-released from the 80s in the 21st century (laughs) uh good lord so anyway however you want to whatever rules you guys want to impose on yourself for these lists that's your prerogative uh we can kind of describe how we came up with our lists as we go and then we'll do some honorable mentions at the end uh so let's go ahead and start with chad what is your number three rom-com of the 21st century so here's so here's the deal here's the deal i struggled with this list probably more than just about any top three that we've done because this for me clearly comes down to situations where it is the best movie right or did I go with what I thought was the best romantic comedy because those aren't always one and the same Mm. 
And so I struggle with this one a little bit. So I ultimately ended up with a couple of, uh, or a few films, one of which this first one, my number three, I can definitively say is not probably even in the top 20 best movies for me, but it has a very special nostalgic place in my heart. And so when my wife and I were dating, this movie came out and it was directed by the late Gary Marshall and it's unashamedly cheesy and it is so it's got the some of the worst tendencies of the genre um, but very much like a lot of the best of these films it's super charming and and light and it has now become a tradition that every year my wife and I on a certain day Valentine's Day watch this movie every single year together and so it just has a special place in my heart because it means a lot to me and my wife although I can freely admit this is not a great movie I could not do a top three without putting this on there so it's number three Valentine's Day oh my goodness and now listen hey he made New Year's Eve after that and it's it's horrible and Mother's Day after that and Mother's Day after that, also horrible. But this first one, it's just sweet. I can't help it. I can't help it. So come at me, bro. <laughs> wow. I, I don't uh, know where to start. I, yeah. I I didn't expect that, to be perfectly honest. Wow. You're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I'm going to let that one slide. I'm going to let that just slide. Just let it go. I'll you don't hear... have to listen. This is about my love. It's about my <laughs> wife. It's my family. Okay? Give me a break. So we. So uh, you're saying we can't We can't have a problem with it because we'll be insulting you and your wife. That's, that's really... That's pretty much what I'm <laughs> saying, which I insult Daniel because of his irrational <laughs> love of movies that he's about to Every call day. out. So everything's fair. Everything's fair. I, you so, know what? I... I can't knock that one too much just because I love love actually like unabashedly. And I know that's not a good movie either. And so, uh, you know what? I'll give you Valentine's day. I'll do it. Uh, And it's not one of my choices either. So I I give you nothing, but we'll move on (laughs) to Tyler's number three rom-com of the 21st century. All right. You know, I didn't do any, even though I spent a lot of time with Chris on the next trek, I, I, he didn't rub off on me that much where I was, I was going to redefine the genre of romantic comedy. At least I don't think so. You guys might disagree. Um, but what was actually hard for me is I was trying to sort of strategically pick because I think, I think if we're being completely honest, two out of the three of these, Daniel and I might have the same list. Yes. Um, and so there's and I've I've written down what I think Daniel's three are and so I'm I'm kind of curious to see if I know this. Did you but order them? I did order them too. So I'm really <laughs> there's there's one there are two that I said could be reversed, but uh, just because I think that you might switch them out of spite. But um, my third one, um, picking just on my own, my third one is my big fat Greek wedding. Hmm. Oh okay. And and I even thought you know that this is it's somewhat appropriate for for this just because. Uh, my big fat Greek wedding, like I said before, is is this great, fun, just happy movie that is about a clash of cultures uh, to an extent. And uh, it, that movie is one I return to all the time. It is so funny. I laugh uh, stupidly at this movie, and it's 16 years old, and I've probably seen it at least 16 times. I mean, easily. It's it's such a good movie. It is. Uh, it's so quotable. And it's, it's just good fun. So, yeah, My Big Fat Greek Wedding is my third. 
and that's one of the most profitable movies of all time. It was it, it crushed the box office that year and was totally unexpected. I worked in a movie theater when that was coming out or when that came out, and it. I think I was I think I was there for a year, maybe a year and a half, and it was playing almost the entire time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's great, and it's a great, great movie. For my, I mean, list, it's no Valentine's Day, but I mean, whatever, <laughs> I'll allow it. Hush. Uh, for my list, I really tried to focus on movies that genuinely fit the more classic rom-com mold. Uh, so I didn't consider movies that were more dramatic, but with a few joke jokes, like on some lists as I was kind of Googling these things, they had some movies like 500 days of summer on there, which is possibly my favorite film. It's, it's up there for me, but I don't consider that a rom-com. It's got funny moments, but it's more dramatic. So, so there are some others that I didn't include, but I, I won't call them out just in case they're on one of your lists, but, uh, I can mention them later on, but yeah, so what more traditional rom-coms is, is kind of what I went with. So. Uh, at number three, I have Hitch. That's where I come in. Excuse me. Uh, by asking if it was diet, she took it as you trying to imply that you thought she was fat. Go get a red rose, get a regular Coke, tell her she's everything you never knew you always wanted. Any problems, give me a call. From Columbia Pictures. Did you ever hear this guy they call the date doctor? Urban Myth. Really? Absolutely. I was told you were the guy that helps guys like me. Nobody's perfect. No! That's pathetic. Pathetic. But one man. My name is Alex Hitchens. Call me Hitch. Can help you come close. Let me give you my number. Do you have a pen? Hitch is just Uh. effortlessly funny. And Will Smith is such a great lead. Perfect lead for a rom-com. That movie makes me laugh so hard, and it's it's uh, to me that's a modern classic because I it is it is squarely in the rom com mold, uh, and, and it just does it so so well. So I really really love Hitch, and I've watched it so many times. All right, we will go back to Chad. Chad, what is your number two rom com of the twenty first century? And tell me, it's better than Valentine's Day. It will it will be better than Valentine's Good. Day. Although calling Hitch a a classic, oh for sure, I'm, I stand I'm just going to leave that. Oh, I'm, I'm sure. sure in the Howitt household this may be true, but I think beyond the borders of where you guys live, you may be the only two that would call that a classic. Oh, no but way. I'm not going to hate on it. It's fine. It's cute. This one for me is one that I caught me completely off guard when I first saw it, and it ha- it's one of those that I forget how much I like it until I revisit it, and I watched it as recently, or excuse me, I, I watched it maybe three months ago again and it just really still holds up and that is Juno. What's the prognosis, Fertile Myrtle? Minus or plus? There it is. Little pink plus sign is so unholy. That ain't no etch-a-sketch. This is one doodle that can't be undid, Holmes Gillett. Just tell him. I'm pregnant. Who is the father? It's Polly Bleeker. Polly Bleeker? I didn't think he had it in him. I know, right? <laughs> Did you see that coming? Yeah, but I was hoping she was expelled or into hard drugs. Or a DWI. Anything but this. I could, like, have this baby and, and give it to someone that, like, totally needs it. You should look at the Penny Saver. They have ads for parents. Yeah. Desperately seeking spawn. Hi. I'm Vanessa. Hi. I'm the husband. This, of course, is Juno. Like the city in Alaska. No. I, it, it is, it's so, at the time, Diablo Cody's style, it just felt fresh 
and Ellen Page is just adorable and it's it's sweet and it's funny and I just love it. I love Juno. I don't it's not a classic rom-com, but I think it's enough of I think it's more comedy than drama overall, sure. although it gets heavy at the end. I'll count it. And so so for me, uh, it's Juno. I love the performances. J.K. Simmons is great and Allison Janney is great as the parents. It's just great. I, I, I love this movie quite a bit. Both Oscar winners now. Uh, but yeah, uh, since since that movie came out, I think people have really tried to rip off uh, Diablo Cody's style to where it almost it makes it almost feel annoying. But then if in you retrospect, go, in retrospect, yeah. but, but when you go back and watch Juno, she, that that was totally original at the time. She was the only yeah. it was totally fresh and totally new. Yeah, I totally agree. That's a great movie. Yep, really great. Uh, so Thank t- you. T- <laughs> you're welcome. Uh, so Tyler, what is your number two pick? Uh, my number two pick is Forgetting Sarah Marshall. This is all right. This is one of the few movies, this might be the only movie, it's got to be the only movie that I have watched twice in one day. Uh, wow. I, wow. Yeah, it is almost the ultimate feel-good movie for me, um, and I, I can't put a pin on why other than maybe just the time that I watched it in. It was it was in college, I was I was having fun, I, you know, it was one of those movies that we, uh, like my roommates and friends and I put on when we were just, you know, wanting to watch something that was great, and it, again, super quotable. What I like about that movie so much is what Jason Siegel brings to it and and gives it the twist of of a lot of differences. Much like uh, Crazy Rich Asians, we get Hawaii, which not that no movie has ever been to Hawaii before, but um, we get we get Hawaii. It's filmed there. It's beautiful. We get a daggone puppet musical scene that goes through it. There's just <laughs> his. His unique voice is all the way throughout the entire thing, and and I, and Jason Siegel is just one of my favorite people. He, I think he's just cool, and yeah. yeah so forgetting Sarah Marshall, just a great, fun, fresh romantic comedy. There was this five-year period or so where Judd Apatow was directing and producing all of these amazing rom-coms, and that kind of it, it kind of blazed its own trail where they were R-rated and raunchy but still really charming and real. Forgetting Sarah Marshall is my number two pick as well because... Oh, wow. Not uh, what I thought. That's great. I have watched that movie so many times. It's insane. I had another Judd Apatow movie that I think you thought was going to be on my list higher that I that I took off. But uh, I think that I, it's I, on my list. <laughs> probably. So I, I just really love this movie. I loved that five-year period of Judd Apatow movies. He's still doing good stuff, but it's just they felt so special back then. And Forgetting Sarah Marshall is the best of the bunch just because exactly what you said, Jason Siegel just brings this authenticity to it. He he just it feels like it really charming even amidst the R-rated, uh, you know, raunchy humor. This movie is still so heartwarming and so sweet. And so, yeah, I really, really love Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Such a great movie. It's a great movie. I agree. And I, I don't think we mentioned he wrote the movie, too, which is mm-hmm. why. And it's based on many real events, which I think is right. why it feels so genuine. Yeah, breaking up breaking or up being naked. dumped while he's yeah. naked. <laughs> <laughs> so good. It's a pretty singular experience. <laughs> so good. Yeah, love that movie. All right, we are on to our number one picks now. Chad, what is your favorite rom-com of the 21st century? Daniel, I have to disagree with you on something that you said in that last moment, and that was Forgetting Sarah Marshall was the best of the Apatow. I don't think that that is true. My number one is a movie that I still consider to be almost the perfect comedy. It is 
unbelievably funny. It is constantly hilarious and so heartwarming and sweet. And for me, it's the 40-year-old virgin. Hmm. I think that uh, Catherine Keener is marvelous. It is a, it's a beautiful glimpse of what it's like to be in your 40s and not married and all the things that come with aging, which you guys don't know anything about yet, <laughs> but you will. It, it's very accurate and real in that way, and the conversations that they have are are so real. And, but at the same time, his his friend group with Paul Rudd and all those characters are just hilarious. And, and Steve Carell gives a very vulnerable performance. I think now in 2018, we can see the kind of chops that he has as yeah. a dramatic actor, and he's proven that time and time again. But I think we started to get the, the glimpse of that there because you immediately empathize with this guy. And I, this is a movie that's endlessly rewatchable to me. And like I said, I think it's just about the perfect comedy. So for me, it's 40-Year-Old Virgin. That is a fantastic pick. Yeah, that was a Judd Apatow's directorial debut. And, I mean, he, he like I said, that that period of films there kicked off with 40-Year-Old Virgin where he was just killing It's crazy. Genre. And yeah. so I love that whole run of films. And 40-Year-Old Virgin is fantastic. Absolutely. All right, Tyler, I think you are going to have, if I can predict, you're going to have his follow-up to 40-Year-Old Virgin. Am I right? You are absolutely correct. He followed 40-Year-Old <laughs> right. Virgin up with Knocked Up. <laughs> Hello. Hi, this is Allison. I don't know if you remember me. I have something I really need to tell you. I'm pregnant. With a baby? Yes. Then what are you hitting on me for? How did this happen? This is a disaster. Aren't you supposed to be married to have a baby? You should be, because they love each other, and people who love each other get married and have babies. Do you love each other? We should really just try to get to know each other and give this a real shot. Okay, I know we didn't plan this, but I'm on board. <laughs> Marriage is like an unfunny version of Everybody Loves Raymond. Should we have sex tonight? Ugh. But it doesn't last 22 minutes. It lasts forever. I'm just really constipated. Do you really want to? Well, now. You're going to love this, I predict it. Life's a great adventure, and you're the hero in it. <gasps> I'm going to go sneak a peek, see if there's anything I can do. Can you get in here? Yeah! I shouldn't have gone in there. Amazing. So when you were describing... Uh, 40-Year-Old Virgin, I thought you were describing Knocked Up because I think it's a nearly perfect comedy. And uh, I I absolutely, absolutely love it. It's the other one that I go to that is just perpetually funny. It is it, – it brings in his cast of characters a little bit uh, into a stronger light. Or sorry, I should say his, his troop of actors into a stronger light um, that we that we saw in 40-Year-Old Virgin. Virgin. Most of them – are there in 40 year old virgin, but we get uh, Jason Siegel, Paul Rudd, Martin um, Starr, Martin Jonah, Starr Hill. Jonah Hill, and then Jay Baruchel. That's, that's who I was stuck on thinking of. And we, we get it also what I, what I kind of have a theme in at least uh, two of these, I switched out. I was going to do crazy, stupid love instead of forgetting Sarah Marshall for a little while and move that one up a little bit. But uh, I, I did some weird iterations of this, but what I love about knocked up and my big five Greek wedding um, and even forgetting Sarah Marshall to an extent is that these movies don't end where normal romantic comedies end, which is this very artificial, we're going to be together now, but it, you know, it, which so many of them, you just take that relationship another week and it's probably going to fall apart or it's going to be really strange. Um, but these explore them uh, a little bit more like knocked up is uh, yes, we get the meet cute and we get the, uh, you know, the one night stand that they have, but there are 
consequences and there's a decision to to figure out do we stay together do we have this baby do we raise this baby what does that look like and i love that because it brought a it brings a depth other than do we date or not and i think that's really really great that ain't no I meat agree. cute that's a meat drunk that's true uh, that's a very, true. very, very different <laughs> spin on it that is a fantastic movie i think the the common theme for him too is that yeah, they're raunchy. Yes, they're funny, but almost all of them have this undercurrent of humanity, mm-hmm. and it's they're just they're wonderful and and they're sweet. Absolutely, I almost had knocked up. That's the, that's the one I had for a long time. That was in my top ten films of all time. I, I really really love that movie a lot. I knew you would have that on your list. Yeah. Uh, so so I, I I took it off of mine. But that is a fantastic fantastic movie for sure. Uh, but it is not my number one. My number one pick uh, has already been name dropped here. It is Crazy Stupid Love. Yeah. That movie, I think, I, I don't, I, I can't get a read on if people, if that many people have seen it or not. I, I just occasionally see people mention it, but I feel, I, I feel like not that many people have seen it or at least appreciate it. For me, that movie is in my top ten films of all time. It is. Uh, wow. It is. Yeah. It's really that movie really stuck with me, and I know, you know, not necessarily one of the best movies of all time, but one of my favorite favorite movie of all time uh it has a phenomenal cast first of all and it's hilarious this movie is so so funny but the reason that it made an impact on me is because it really has an amazing message that kind of flips rom-coms around in a lot of ways so many movies want us to root for relationships to break up even if we don't realize it you know we're rooting for that guy who's getting cheated on oh your wife is awful she cheated on you you know screw her divorce her and all this stuff when when this movie points out why why are we rooting for these these relationships to fail it really emphasizes that you should fight for love fight for, for marriage even when it gets really hard you need to fight for it uh, don't just let go when things get tough and so I, I love the message of this movie i love the writing of this movie it's written by dan fogelman who is now the famed creator of this is us uh and th- it's just a fantastic movie all around with one of the best third acts uh in in oh, recent man. history it's just such a great third act so I love Crazy Stupid Love. I agree, and I also agree with the fact that I don't know that I I don't hear a lot of people talking about this yeah. movie in particular so yeah yeah it's true so we are going to go around and do some honorable mentions uh chad what, what else did you leave off your list i had crazy stupid love on there i had the original legally blonde wow. i love that movie it's so silly but out with it's the third just, one it's just great fun and then i saw someone put this out on a list and i just thought it was a cute answer uh, somebody put Wall-E. Oh, that's great. <laughs> and, wow, that's great. And I thought, what a great, what a great answer. That so, uh, but so those were my three. Awesome. And Tyler, I well, I mentioned I had Crazy Stupid Love, and honestly, the only reason I really took it off is because I knew we were going to talk about it for yours. What, I, wait, hold on. What, what yeah. did you say for my list? By the way, I, for, I forgot to. Ask. I was a little bit more wrong than I thought, but I said uh, number three, Five Hundred Days of Summer, uh-huh. and number two, Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Number one, Crazy Stupid Love. Well, you got two out of three, and I said I took off 500 Days of Summer for for a reason, so you, you got pretty close. I was pretty close. Uh, yeah, You guys I are mean, in I, lockstep. <laughs> I knew Crazy <laughs> Stupid almost, Love was Almost your... the kind of people that would say Hitch is a classic, but I'll just leave that there. I cannot believe I didn't think about Hitch, honestly. Uh, and, and when I'm, I'm looking back at a list I wrote for Valentine's Day this year on Ready, Steady, Cut, which is a site that I write for, I did the top 20 romantic comedies of all time. Um, but 21st century would be a cool thing to, to dig into. Um, so the other things that I had left off there, uh, Scott Pilgrim versus the world, hmm. it, which I just absolutely desperately love that movie. Uh, Mr. And Mrs. Smith is 
phenomenal. It's that that hmm. thing is. I know, and those are both very unconventional romantic yeah, comedies. Yeah, I, I was gonna say I'm not sure if I would count those, but those are both great movies. I love yeah. those movies. Yeah, and then uh, the big sick, obviously, but the and I think the only reason I left that one off is it's it's almost too soon uh, to say, right. but it, it is. I don't know why I would leave it off. You know, it really is a fantastic movie. Yeah, those are great. Agreed. So, yeah. uh, so like I said, I I left off uh, movies like Five Hundred Days of Summer because I I didn't feel like it quite counted as a rom com. So I left that off. I left left off Silver Linings Playbook for the same reason. Uh, even Ooh, though I yeah, love I movie. wouldn't. Just, yeah, I thought for sure that was going to be on your list. It just Daniel. didn't feel like it fit as a rom com. I love that movie, uh, but it didn't didn't feel. And same with so I saw some people count La La Land as one, which obviously that's one of my favorite movies, but uh, I that doesn't that's not a rom com. That's right. that didn't feel like. It yeah, fit. nor is it a music. But oh I digress. my gosh! So, uh, but yes, yeah, so like I already said, Knocked Up is up there for me. The Big Sick is fantastic, which is also Judd Apatow. He's still he's still producing some great stuff. Uh, and then My Big Fat Greek Wedding, and a, a more a one from a few years ago that I didn't watch until very recently was What If with Daniel oh, Radcliffe. Oh, solid! That's a really good one. Yeah, yeah. I, I never I never Zoe watched Kazan. it, and it was on Amazon Prime. I think it still is, and I just kind of turned it on and really really enjoyed it. It was really good, really good romantic comedy, kind of really kind of classic in a lot of ways. So, yeah, so those are my honorable mentions. So we had quite a few people chiming in on Twitter with their picks. We had uh, Visual Profit Movies said Silver Linings Playbook and Knocked Up. We had Short and Sweet Film Reviews say The Big Sick, Crazy Stupid Love, and 500 Days of Summer. I like you, sir. Those are great picks. Uh, Kevin Levine said, I consider La La Land a rom-com and it's my favorite film ever. Uh, I disagree that it counts as a rom-com, but I agree. I, I like where your head's at, Kevin. Uh, mm. Ian Bulaklock said, Crazy Stupid Love, The Big Sick, Bridesmaids, Francis Ha, Forgetting Sarah Marshall, and 500 Days of Summer. Lots of great picks there, except I don't like Francis, Francis ha. ha. Yeah, I also don't think Bridesmaids is a romantic comedy. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, 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 a, it's a comedy. Yeah. It's, it's like a whatever it's, it's the girl the version of a bromance is. Yeah. 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 Uh, and those were uh, the people chiming in on Twitter. Chat, I think you had a few people chiming in on your end. We did. I forgot to put in the part that said 21st century, so I had some <laughs> older ones. But we did have one, Abby Fletcher, who said her favorite was How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. Excellent and then in movie. a parenthetical, also apparently my life motto. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Sorry about that, Abby, but it's a good pick for the movie. And I think I would be in trouble if I didn't mention that my wife also chimed in on our social media channels. And she said, Crazy Stupid Love, The Wedding Planner, and 13 Going on 30. And if I could tell you how many times she brings up 13 Going on 30, uh, I'm not even sure I could count that high. So she is certainly a (laughs) fan of that one. Well, if you had any more uh, options, if any uh, that we didn't mention, we mentioned quite a lot of movies on this edition of our top three, but I know there are so many good entries that we could think of. If you have any more, let us know. We want to hear what your thoughts are, what your favorites are, your favorite rom-coms of the 21st century. You can always follow us on Twitter at ScreenersCast. Like us on Facebook at The ScreenersCast. We want to hear from you guys joining the conversation. Thanks for tuning in to this review of Crazy Rich Asians, and we will see you next time. And that's a wrap. You've heard what the screeners had to say. Now you be the critic. Head over to screenerspodcast.com and let us know what you think. See you next time.